0: Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. This is Liz Booker with a literary aviatrix waypoint along our journey through stories featuring women in aviation. This one is from season two, episode 20, in my interview with Keith O'Brien about his book, Fly Girls, how five daring women defied all odds and made aviation history. Keith O'Brien, welcome.
1: Thank you, Liz, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so excited about this. So uh, just in case somebody hasn't had an opportunity to read the book yet, would you give us an overview and maybe do a little reading?
1: Sure. Um, so my book is called Fly Girls. Uh, it's, uh, it's narrative nonfiction history. So it's, it's history, but it's a real story uh, uh, told in a story format uh, about uh, female pilots fighting for the right to fly and race planes in the 1920s and 30s. Um, so it, it's a story, really. I, I like to think of this as a story, really, of Amelia Earhart and her friends, uh, the, the 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 women who were by and large erased from this story, um, because at the time Amelia was flying, other women were flying with her. Uh, each of them was brave. Each of them was bold, and some of them, just objectively speaking, were more talented in a cockpit than Amelia was, and. Um, I'll start by giving just a very short reading from the book about one of these other women. And for me, this woman was sort of the glue for my narrative. Um, You know, when you're doing work like this, there's always a spark that begins it. And I'm sure we'll talk about that today, but once you are into it, you're trying to figure out what is the, what is the story? You know, where does it go and who are the characters that should populate um, this space? And for me, it was when I stumbled onto Florence Klingensmith that I felt like I could see the matrix, if you will. I, it was suddenly completely clear to me. And Florence Klingensmith was a woman who was almost like a comet who, who streaked across the sky and was here and was gone. And uh, when I stumbled upon her, I was in an archive, uh, a library rather, a uh, university library, late at night, um, you know, long after all the students had gone home, and I was scrolling through old news stories in microfilm, and it was a story of Florence Smith racing against the men at the air races in Chicago Labor Day weekend, 1933. Florence was invited to race against the men um, because she had already proven herself to be the most talented. Uh, female air racer uh, that existed in America at that time. And, and and of course, many of your viewers and listeners will know what I'm talking about here. But just to be clear, there were two kinds of air races in the 1920s and 30s. There were transcontinental air derbies, essentially a long distance race, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, shortest cumulative time wins. And then there were the pylon races, um, where uh, in a city like Chicago, Labor Day 1933, uh, they set up 50-foot towers in a triangular course and then raced like NASCAR in the sky around these towers. And uh, this was something, by the way, that Amelia Earhart was never good at. And after trying it just once, dispatched with it forever and never did it again because again, as you and many of your listeners and, and, and um viewers know, I mean, to whip your plane at speeds of 220 miles an hour, 50 foot off the ground, around pylons requires every every ounce of your body, every ounce of your brain, your left in your right hand, your left in your right foot. Um, and, and Florence had proven herself to be uh one of the best. And so um this is again for me this crucial moment, because as I, as I found this in the news stories and then started scrolling back, I knew um, that what I had here was, um, had had, had never been told before. So we'll pick up um, as as the race has begun. Uh, It's, it's for for people to imagine it's Labor Day, 1933, it's sundown. It's sort of the uh, finale of the weekend. Um, There are Uh, tens of thousands of people on the ground, a paying crowd, of course, but many others have just parked their cars outside the airfield on the roads and highways just north of Chicago. On the ground below, people were everywhere, sitting in the grandstands and standing on the floorboards of their parked cars, watching from official seats they'd bought for a dollar each, and from unofficial viewing spots they'd claimed for free on nearby roads and golf courses. They watched as two male pilots quickly shot to the front of the pack, flying as close to 250 miles an hour. And they watched as Smith fell in somewhere behind them. At the end of the first lap, back at the home pylon closest to the grandstand, the crowd could finally see exactly where she was. Her red and white GB was challenging for third flying nearly 220 miles an hour and banking so hard that she tipped the plane vertically on its wing and seemed to kiss the top of the 50-foot pylon. Just look at that girl, make that perfect bank, the announcer cried for the crowd to hear. Did you ever see such a beautiful race? She was for real. They knew that now. With that turn one pilot on the ground said, Florence Clingensmith stole the show. She was surely going to make some money, as she had promised winning third place and its $1,200 prize or better. Then at the home pylon at the eighth turn, roughly 60 miles in, her GB faltered, buckling under a familiar problem. The right wing, the same wing that had doomed other pilots in the past, was failing. Fabric whipped away in chunks and fell to the ground like confetti. And with the air now whistling through the holes in her wing, Klingensmith peeled off course. She was flying away from the crowd in the grandstand, over the spectators in their parked cars at the edge of the safety fence, beyond the railroad tracks, heading south toward Chicago, and then out over the streets of Glenview, in trouble. Bail out, one pilot on the ground said, pounding his fist into the back of the man standing in front of him. Jump, Florence.